this week, we get to the uh, wonderful verse in James chapter 1, verses 16. James chapter 1, verses 16. And this is what it says. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. Can I tell you a secret this morning? People have problems. Can I tell you another secret? You fit into that category of people with problems. And so do I. You know that? Can I tell you something else? People... Good intended, intended, good intentioned people can be deceived. Can I tell you something else? You and I fall into that category of good intended, good intentioned people who can be deceived. Deception is a powerfully used weapon for people who want to manipulate, control. It's evil. There's no good part of deception. We've looked through lots of things about trials and challenges. We can see the good in trials. There's good on the other side of challenges. But deception, there is nothing good about it, nor will there ever be anything good about it. And we need to understand that deception is one of the enemy's greatest weapons. You know, a message I used to preach a lot was a very simple message entitled, The Devil is a Liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. The Bible tells us he's the father of lies, that it's his native language is that of lying. He's been lying since the very beginning of creation where he was slithering around in the Garden of Eden, deceiving Adam and Eve into rebelling against God. He, deception is this a weapon of the enemy. And we see in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves, by committing themselves, by being intentionally committed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. The Bible is telling us that there are people of the faith who will be tricked and in doing so will devote themselves to deceiving spirits and what the Bible calls doctrines of demons. This is really important. And this passage is not so focused on deception but I couldn't let it slide as I was studying and I was reading and asking the Lord what to say. I thought it's so important for us to seize this moment and understand that we are people of the faith. The majority of us sitting in the room are people who profess to be Christ followers. And the Bible tells us that Christ followers can be deceived, and the nth of their deception is that they commit themselves to the deception and to the doctrines of demons. And so I thought it's important 
that we understand deception. And James 1.16, he says, do not be deceived, brothers. So he's saying there's an opportunity for deception. To be deceived means to be led astray, to be led in the wrong direction, to be tricked. To be deceived is not accidental, it's intentional. There is something, someone, a desire, what we talked about last week, an internal over-desire, the enemy people, there's an intentional leading astray that is deception. And James is saying, don't be led astray, don't be deceived. You see, the antidote to deception is not information, it's discernment. The antidote to deception is not information, it's discernment. Discernment is the ability to judge well on a natural level. Or Christian discernment is perception in the absence of judgment, perceiving with spiritual eyes and understanding. Discernment is for a Christian the ability to when there's no clarity with your spiritual eyes and spiritual understanding to be then able to make right decisions. I'll give you an, an example. You ever, not ever, I'm sure you have. We live in a world with GPS, right? Used to, do you guys used to call it a refidex? We used to give a book that you have to put under your seat when you need to find something. You pull it out and find out where to go. You flip to the page. You ever have that? Map. You just have a map? We used to have a big book. Rolodex. Those things are obsolete. We have what was first GPS, and now we have a phone that literally tells us everything. You ever been deceived by what's on your phone? You ever been on social media and been tricked into thinking something's true that's not? You ever been down those big wormholes on YouTube? You're like, oh my gosh, this is truth. Genuinely, the people in the, the, the White House are lizard people. You can't tell, but trust me, they are lizard. Any lizard people believers in here? A couple? I mean, everyone's entitled to an opinion, even if it's wrong. I mean, if they were, no, I was a, stop it, Joel. Stop it. That was a close one. Thank you, Lord, for your discernment and understanding. But you ever put in, punch into your GPS, you're trying to go somewhere, and you know where you're going, but we've been trained now just to put it in so that everyone can track us. And, and you put it in your phone, and you start driving and following the directions, but it's somewhere you know where you're going. And you start to realize, this doesn't feel right. And what's happened is you've put the wrong information into your GPS by accident. And you're going, and as you're going, you know you're following the information. But there's something inside you that's saying, this is not right. You ever had that experience? Like, you're like this, just, this isn't right. But it says it is, and then your brain goes into this thing. Like, how, how could it be wrong if the GPS is telling me, 
it's right, it's because the information was wrong. So the antidote for deception is not information, it's discernment. And we see here in the book of Hebrews 5.14, it says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish between good and evil. So discernment, spiritual eyes, insight, and understanding is not always natural. It is learned by constant practice. Now, we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. We know we're living and walking by grace, but information can be deceptive. Because sometimes the wrong thing sounds right. And depending on how someone's painting it, the right thing sounds wrong. And we have to have discernment. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, you need to be trained by constant use how to discern which way you're going. Because to be trained is to be intentional and consistent in understanding And doing the right thing. It's not just doing things, it's doing the right things. I bake bread. Anybody else bake bread? I thoroughly enjoy baking bread. I talked about it last week to a detrimental level. But I enjoy it. And the more I do it, it's you ever put water and dough together and tried to play with it? It's sticky, it's messy, and it can be very frustrating if you don't know what you're doing. But the more you do it, the more you understand it. You read the books, you understand it. But who knows when you read a recipe or when you read a way to do things, at least for me, it's all good and well until you pick up the wet dough and it's not doing what it's supposed to. It's frustrating. You end up throwing it out and you get, I mean, you would get mad. I wouldn't get mad. But you get frustrated. But the more I do it, the more... I understand the more I mold the dough and shape the dough, the more I practice by constant use, the more I can pick up a wet piece of dough that you would think is an absolute mess and is frustrating, and I can flip that thing around and maneuver it, and it creates delicious bread. You can go to ramseysbakery.com and place online orders if anyone wants one. But it's by constant use, and the more I do it, the better I get, and I took about two years off from baking bread through the last couple of years because of my schedule, and I went to pick it up, and I wasn't as good as I used to be, and I got frustrated till my mother-in-law came and saved the day. She borrowed some mother, which is like the starter, the yeast from Ali, and she made a loaf of bread, and it worked, and I was inspired again to do it, and so I picked it back up, and I trained myself, and I'm by constant use can now successfully make the best bread in Nashville, Tennessee. And I think that's true. But it's through constant use and it's through intentionality in understanding and doing the right thing. You see, what we have to understand is When James says, brothers, do not be deceived, 
This is the linchpin between verses 13 to 15 and verses six, sorry, 17 of James. James said last week, he says, don't let anyone say when he is tempted that he's tempted by God. He says temptation comes from within us, and when we give in to temptation, it's because we're really doing the thing that we want to do most. You remember that from last week? So then James says, don't be deceived, brothers. God is not tempting you because temptation leads to evil. But God, he says, don't be, don't be deceived. Temptation isn't from God. I've told you where it comes from. But God, he says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no shadow or variation change. James is linking that there are these things and these are evil. And he's saying, don't be led astray by doctrines of demons, by experience, by information, by that which you don't understand the whole picture. Don't be deceived because good things Perfect things come from God, but evil things and sinful things are not from God. And so we have a responsibility by renewing our mind in the Word of God, by the Spirit of God and the grace of God, to be intentionally equipping ourselves, training ourselves, feeding ourselves in the Word of God to teach us how to discern between that which sounds right and that which is right. Because the antidote for deception is not just information, it's discernment. And discernment comes by practice, by understanding the right thing and by doing the right thing. So James says, do not be deceived. God is good. I think the goodness of God is one of the characteristics of God that's been on trial for some time. That deception has crept in and people through experience, through manipulation, through wrong information and wrong understanding have been hurt or put into a place where they struggle with the idea not that God is real but that God is good. They don't struggle with the idea that God saves. They struggle with the idea that God is good. You look at the world around us. Movies come out explaining that child trafficking is running rampant through the world. And we think, is God good? We know men are doing good things and we're thankful that men are rising up and doing good things. But is God good? good with what happened to me as a child, as a teenager? How can God be good? I know you're real. I understand that you save and I believe I'm supposed to live my life according to the Bible, but is God good? James says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. 
with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. The book of Psalms says, For the Lord is good, and His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness is to all generations. I very carefully want to challenge you this morning. If you're sitting in a seat where you don't believe God is good, you don't believe the Bible. And I understand that can be challenging because I don't know your story. I don't know what you've walked through. But I want to tell you, if you don't believe that God is good, you don't believe the Bible. The Word of God is not wrong. Our perception, our information is wrong. And we're falling prey to deception. Because the Lord is good. And His steadfast love endures forever. And His faithfulness is to all generations. It says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. The Father of lights, we know, is God. Comes from above, from the Father of lights. What does Father of lights mean? It's an account, it's a re-account of creation. The Father of lights is, is James poetically reminding us that God is the Father of all creation, that He is the creator and the sustainer of all things. And He's good, and He's the essence of good, and there's no one like Him, and there's none before Him. James is challenging this idea of God tempting people with evil and sinful desires, and He's saying, don't be deceived, Good gifts and perfect gifts come from the Father of lights, from above, from the one who created everything, the one who sustains everything. He says, good and perfect gifts come down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation, or shadow due to change. James is giving us an understanding that the creator and the sustainer of the universe, it's Yahweh. It's God, and He's good, and He hasn't changed. It's speaking, when he says, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change, he's speaking of the unchanging nature of God. He's giving us an understanding that God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. That His nature of goodness has not changed because, friends, God is good. And if our understanding of goodness doesn't line up with God's understanding of goodness, then we're wrong. God is not. He is good. So everything that He does, everything that He says is good. And here it's saying there's no shadow or variation due to change. Speaking of when the sun shines, nothing's blocking the goodness of God. He doesn't change from one moment to the next. He is an unchanging God. So if He gives good gifts today, then He will not give evil gifts tomorrow. If He was good yesterday, He's good today. And to remind you, lest you be deceived, He'll be good tomorrow. He's faithful. 
Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You guys ever hear of a man called Job in the Bible? Job is an incredibly challenging, inspiring, wild book of the Bible about a man who served God, who was wealthy, had a family, and the devil came and took it all away. Took it all away. And Job is this picture for us in current times that not everything is going to go perfectly. That trials are going to come. That bad things can and probably will happen. Who feels hopeful about that? That bad things can and probably will happen. But Job is in a position where he's struggling with his journey, crying out to God, questioning God. And let me say this. It's all right to question God out of a moment of passion. But friends, can I say it again? If you don't believe God is good, you don't believe the Bible. And God responds to Job in a gracious yet direct and powerful way in the midst of his questioning. It wasn't a condemning response, but it was a challenging and it was a direct encouragement or should we call it a friendly reminder who God is. I'm going to read it to you. It's quite long and it won't be on the screen. So if you want to close your eyes, if that helps, If not, if you want to read with me, you can open it to the book of Job 38. Job chapter 38 from verse 1. I'm going to ask the worship team to join me. Job chapter 38 verse 1. Just to make it easier for read for the length of it, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And this is the Lord responding to Job. He said, Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because now I have some questions for you. And you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you know so much, who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst forth from the womb? And as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, for I locked it behind the barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no further will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dawn to rise in the east? 
Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? As the light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay pressed beneath a seal. It is robed in brilliant colors. The light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that is raised in violence. Have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. Where does light come from and where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? But of course you know all this. For you were born before it was all created. And you are so very experienced, the sarcasm of the Lord. Have you ever, so have you visited the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of hail? God says, I have reserved them as weapons for the time of trouble and for the day of the battle and war. Where is the path to the source of light? Where is the home of the east wind? Who created a channel for the torrents of rain? Who laid out the path for lightning? Who makes the rain fall on barren land in a desert where no one lives? Who sends rain to satisfy the parched ground and make the tender grass spring up? Does the rain have a father? Who gives birth to dew? Who is the mother of ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens? For the water turns to ice as hard as rock, and the surface of the water freezes. Can you direct the moment, sorry, the movement of the stars, binding the cluster of Pallades, or loosening the cords of Orion? Can you direct the constellations through the seasons, or guide the bear with her cubs across the heavens? Do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the earth? Can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike you direct? So as you direct, who gives intuition to the heart and instinct to the mind? Who is wise enough to count all the clouds? Who can tilt the water jars of heaven when the parched ground is dry and the soil has hardened into cloth? Can you stalk prey for a lioness and satisfy the young lion's appetites as they lie in their dens or crouch in the thicket? Who provides food for the ravens when their young cry out to God and wander about in hunger? God directly reminds Job who he is what is done, what he's capable of. And he demands Job to give an answer. He says, I'm going to ask, he says, dress like a man, get on your feet. I've got some questions for you. You've been challenging me, fine. I'm going to challenge you for a second, young man. And he lays it out. In fact, he keeps going. And so what's Job's answer to all those questions? The answer is no. I don't know. I'm sorry, Lord. 
That doesn't mean you haven't walked through hard things. It doesn't mean that life's not challenging. I've had my fair share. Some have had it worse than others. But we have to be reminded this morning, if not by experience, but by the word of truth, that God is good. He's unchanging. He's been good from the beginning. He'll be good to the end. In fact, there is no end. So goodness, if the goodness of God will endure forever and ever, let you be reminded of something this morning. No matter what you're going through, that God, the God who created the foundations of the earth, that God who created everything, that God that we just read about, that God is for you, so who could be against you? Just perspective shift for a minute. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Shift your seat from God, why are you doing this to me? To God, if you are for me, who could be against me? No matter what I've gone through, what I'm going through, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are faithful from generation to generation. You are the Father of lights, for there is no changing. And you give good and perfect gifts. Good and perfect gifts. He says then in James 1.18, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. This is God's greatest and most perfect gift. It's the gospel. It's reminding us that we must be born again. That He gave us while we were dead in our sin. He says of His own will, He brought us forth through the word of truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. That we were dead in our sin. The gospel was given to us. When we receive the gospel, we are no longer born by the will of man or by the will of the flesh, but we are born again by the Spirit of God as new creations in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter how you were born. It doesn't matter the way your mind was wired when you were born or the main, the way your mind was rewired throughout your life. When you become a Christian, you are born again by the Spirit of God to live for the purpose of God, for the glory of God, because He is the great God of all creation and we are His children. The first of all creation, born of the Spirit of God. We are the children of God, the co-heirs with Christ. James is saying, God is good. Don't be deceived. My challenge in all love this morning is if you've believed that God is not 
good, you have been deceived. And the best way out of deception is when you learn the truth, not to knuckle down in your deception. It's to gently repent and say, God, I'm sorry, I didn't understand. Friend, we get deceived. It's not about being deceived. It's about when we understand the truth, we discern the truth, come running back. His arms are wide open saying, it's all good because I'm good and I'm for you. And if I'm for you, who could be against you? Just remember, child, no matter what you've gone through, I'm on your side. I am not your problem. I am your help. And if you're dead in your sin, here's the gift called my son. His name is Jesus. And you don't have to do anything except receive him. And you will get the gift of eternal life. And then you endure. You get the crown of life. And you live to the glory of God forever. Amen.